When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Famous 80 sci-fi show like Star Trek, but not Star Trek, called Galaxy Quest. And at a sci-fi convention, real aliens mistake them for actual commanders. It's it's a really lovely film and it's a really kind of like nice little love letter to fans as well and Star Trek, I guess, as well. You don't need to be a sci-fi nerd. It makes sense as a story. It has character development. It's funny. It's charming. It's sad. It's fun. It's just really good. If you like Tropic Thunder, if you like Three Amigos, you're going to like it. But if you just like comedy, yeah, you're going to like it. Hey everybody, welcome to this episode of Flitzwater Podcast. I'm joined by Helen. Hello. Izzy. Hello. And Simon. Hello. And we're going to be talking about <laughs> Galaxy Quest. Never give up. Never surrender. Thank you as always to the mighty people for the mighty, mighty tunes. And thanks to Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. Please do remember to write a review and rate us on Apple Podcasts anywhere you can do where you listen to the podcast because it really does help us. And you can join in the conversation with us on Twitter at FlixWatcherPod and on Instagram at FlixWatcher. Hello everyone, welcome to this episode of Flix Watcher Podcast. Joining us remotely today, we have Izzy and Simon. If you could say hello to our listeners, please, and tell them a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Hello, I'm Izzy. I'm going first, not only because um, you said my name, but also alphabetically it is correct because we don't, you haven't said our surname, so therefore I don't feel I'm stepping in. I am Izzy. I am a children's author. I write historical children's literature. It's not, it's not books, it's literature. Um, I also present uh, many a podcast. I do Terrible Lizards with Dr. Dave Hone, which is all about dinosaurs. I do the Z-List Deadlist and I do the British Museum member cast, but also I do this really silly daft one every every week called seti soppo where me and this this man called simon dunn discuss the opposite of things which do not have a natural opposite and that man is opposite me right now because he's in my computer aren't you simon i am i'm a writer apparently although it hasn't felt like that for the last year um what do you mean apparently who, who's 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 giving you that uh denomination the Emmys gave him one. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, I'm a scriptwriter and a novelist, um, and also, as he says, a co-host of the Seti Sopi podcast, which is where we work out the opposite of things that don't have a natural opposite. Uh, so, right. 
potatoes. Yeah. What's the opposite of a potato? Um, well, it would be no, something no, we're very not doing square. our podcast oh. now, is it? Okay. <laughs> well, that was a teaser for the podcast. So that yeah. was a teaser. Yeah. And if you don't know how to spell setisopo, spell opposites and then reverse it. Yes. Yes. How not many come, people how, notice that. Yeah. Well, how did you come up with a name for that? Literally, we said, opposites, I think backwards. we said, yeah, we can't, we can't do, we can't do, we've got to get rid of the backwards rule because otherwise it's just everything backwards. You have to be good. You have to say, what's the opposite of a motorway? It's tara masalata. Explain why. And do the, you know, do it You've properly. You've got to show you you're working. Just, exactly. So you can't, you can't just have it always just spelled backwards. That's cheating. But we just end up talking about like, past memories and old films well, you and do, terrible that's what we sitcoms have and yeah it's true most most of it is just me going when i was four yeah exactly and me just going well when i was hanging around with jenny claire last week and you know uh, being all sort of 90s celebrity you were hanging out with her in covid time. No, nah, well that was, that was the last person that was the last famous person i got to hang out with before the lockdown uh, i did get to uh, hang uh, online i've been able to hang out with cool people so, like for Terrible Lizards, we've been interviewing all sorts. I got to interview Chris Packham and Penn Jillette. No, every blooming week I still have to speak to Simon. It's a terrible... <laughs> I was going to say, because I've listened to a few Terrible Lizards and I've listened to those episodes. Uh, Chris Packham was like one of my heroes because I used to love oh, the Be yeah. The Wild show. So him, Michaela Strachan and uh, Terry Nutkins yeah. were like legends to me. It was um, weird. So it was, it was weird having him where you are now, Kobe. This is a thing. Ooh. This is. He know. was also really. I, I'd enthusiastic, say he's nearly as good he? as you, Kobe. He's nearly as good, but not as good. Yeah, well, he's definitely better uh, than Simon. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Simon, I feel you get a, a quite a lot of abuse in this relationship. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, I'm not sure if that's my fault or anyone else's fault. To be honest, no, but, it's um, my fault. But um, uh, it's, it's when, when strangers come up to you and call you a hamster that that's when it's um, it's getting a bit out of hand. <laughs> He has been which, spotted. See, Simon is enough of a celebrity that people do recognise him from a podcast, which is pretty good. Well done. <laughs> and abuse him. <laughs> we are talking about the film, which yeah. is your choice, is the Galaxy Quest. So can you tell us why you chose it? And a synopsis in a minute or less. Okay. So Galaxy Quest is basically about a group of actors who used to be in a famous 80s sci-fi show like Star Trek, but not Star Trek, called Galaxy Quest. And at a sci-fi convention, real aliens mistake them for actual commanders and they bring them in to help solve their war. And the actors fulfil their roles, kill the evil bad guy, Saras, and the convention is the best it's ever been. So that is, that's my rough synopsis off the top of my head. And the reason why I chose it is Alan Rickman. I mean, it's a really funny film, but it's Alan Rickman. And it's got Sigourney Weaver in it, who I absolutely adore, Alan Rickman. And Tim Allen is also in it, and Rickman <laughs> is in it, obviously. I don't really... Sam Rockwell, you could've, obviously. You could have before... made, made a Tim Allen Rickman. And, 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 Sam, and Sam Rockwell before he was a fod. You know, this is, this is a, a brilliant film. I'm a big fan of um, uh, The Three Amigos, which you can say it's basically the three amigos but in space and uh yeah loves it yeah i mean that was one of my questions was i'm um, i first time i watched it i was like this is the yeah. three amigos but with in well, space i think i, I think watched um, this after um, i watched three amigos after this so this is in my head oh, really the three amigos is uh, yeah because this came out in what i think i watched this this I came don't out think much later than i thought it did this was 1999 1999 yeah. and i thought it was um, yeah earlier than that it's because rickman looks young and beautiful still yeah, that's well, why. Maybe. Yeah. I don't think he ever looked old, did he? 
That was, that's a tragic thing about him. He never it? takes his headpiece off, and that is a phrase I never thought I would say. In the film, yeah, he mm. doesn't. Yeah, in the film, I was talking, talking real life here generally, uh. but um, <laughs> what are your favourite Rickman films? I guess. Well, we, we should... fam- well, best one is obviously Die Hard because it's just amazing. Ladies um, and gentlemen, mm. ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, uh, ho ho ho. <laughs> um, it's probably I. I like the Harry Potters and his role in that um, as Snape. I think I think that was. Well, good casting, considering I think it was meant to be Tim Roth. Um, let me think. Is it close to me? I think that one is really weird. I think that is that the one is it's the one where he's married to a woman who is um, shagging her brother, and it's really quite. It's really it's dark me, and yeah. good, and it ends up and it's really like it's like our childhoods because we're of an age where we were still like prepubescent in like nineteen ninety two, and it's the summer of nineteen ninety two, and everything's sort of like set in that sort of really flowy kind of. And it's something that I vaguely remember that weather in London that year, and it shows it throughout, and you're just like, oh, oh, Clive Owen's bum. Anyway, so <laughs> do you is... remember the first time you saw Rickman? And it is really yes, this, that was that is... Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and I was in the cinema, and everybody, everybody in the cinema was just like, oh, when he died. Mm. Sorry to ruin that film. Yeah. Oh, in the film. <laughs> every every oh, okay. When, 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 well, I don't think I'm ruining anything to say that, you know. When the Sheriff of Nottingham yeah, exactly. died. This is, I was in the cinema for that. And um, is that where he gets that massive axe thrown at him? No, I think he gets stabbed by what's her face. Uh, okay. The, you know, the bit yeah. when someone gets a massive axe thrown at With him. With his own dagger. The... This child piped mm. up in the, in the silence after us. Is he dead? <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's always good when you get commentary. Yeah. But yeah, so, um, but Alan, Alan Rickman, I mean, basically, he is a comic actor who is forced to do evil villain roles in the way that, you know, often comic actors do do the evil villain roles. And this is him doing beautiful comic acting. Because I think this is the thing about he used to he used to like share a flat with Ruby Wax and stuff. He would hang around a load of comedians. He was in Girls on Top. Yeah. And he was he also did um, like things like The Secret Policeman's Ball. So I have seen him live because I did. Um, I went to uh, We Know Where You Live live when I was a teenager. Mm. And so I, I, I've been in the same massive auditorium as Alan Rickman and that makes me happy. Helen? I, I can't remember his performance that much in, in Robin Hood. What? Um, but yeah, Alan it's Rickman... It's the same as, is the same as Die Hard, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very long film, Robin Hood, and there's films out there that... But he's got a studded codpiece. How can you not? I'm I'm all right. For <sighs> that. I think my 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 main thing for me with Galaxy Quest is is Sam Rockwell, which is probably this is one of his early, not probably first, but his kind of first big one. So I really enjoyed revisiting his performance in this, which apparently he based this performance on uh, Bill Paxton in Alien, Aliens. Yes, I saw that. Which is is kind of fun and makes a bit of sense. So um, yeah, it's just, it's it's quite a film, fun film, and I think it was quite ahead of its time. And when it came out, it suffered a bit from really poor marketing, and not many people saw it at the cinema, and it didn't really make much money. Kind of picked up a little bit back in the days of DVDs when Blockbuster was still around. And I think if it was made now, it would probably be more successful and there was talk of a sequel but unfortunately because obviously alan rickman died then they're not didn't go ahead with it but it's a nice little fun film and there's like so much trivia like if you're a trekkie or kind of 
vaguely interested in that, then a lot of the things that happen in the film are all based on true sort of Star Trek trivia facts and things, which like are really fascinating. So yeah, it's a good one. It's officially the twelfth best Star Trek film as well. How's that? And they took a poll at one of the Star Trek conventions. Oh, okay. And it, it polled in nice. 12th place, which for a non-Star Trek film was pretty impressive. Um, Sam Ratwas character is based on an actual um, extra from Next Generation, apparently. Yeah. It was Will Wheaton. And Data as well. And Brett Spiner's <laughs> standing. Good guy. So, he, he, yeah, he's done, he's done well for himself with that role. It's such a little role, but he kind of makes it his own, doesn't has he? he still, um, has, he, has he properly broken out yet, Sam? Was he... Oscar winner, Sam Rockwell star. <laughs> he was April Beeblebrox in but, I mean, a proper sci-fi. Because He's not in any Marvel because he's still not. He's not a list, is he? Is my is my kind of thing. And he's is one is. So is, super... is that if you're in a Marvel yeah. film, you that made standards? It? That that's the... a high standard. <laughs> is, that the, is that the Kobe measure? I mean, what if you're in a DC yeah, film? That, think if you're everyone... not. Are you just rubbish then? No, that's Edward the Z list. A... I think for anyone who's been as well lauded as him, well, it's. I kind of think. I still don't. Th- see him in as many big films and I wonder if it's his choice to not do that and just do these more character based roles choice don't we all just take anything that we can get I mean would you have thought Mark Ruffalo would be the Hulk no not at all he was the he was the first choice apparently was he really what for the Edward Norton yeah and apparently wow they wanted Mark Ruffalo instead and then the studio went with Edward Norton and in the end they ended up going back to Mark Ruffalo um I've been wow. reading a lot of IMDb <laughs> trivia at the moment. There's not much else to do. Would you imagine Ed Norton being the Hulk? He's one. That's... Well, that's true. I mean, I could imagine Ed Norton being a pencil because that's what he looks like. But I mean, don't get me wrong; he's a pretty man, but he does look like a pencil. His hair is very bouffanty, isn't it? You could imagine it as an eraser. Is this one with a rubber at the end, or? Yeah, he's. Is that's kind of his head? You know, he, he's a bit like Beaker, but with proper hair. Are you guys Star Trek fans at all? How how much of it did you relate to this or? Well, at the same time as when I watched this, I went to the um, the only Star Trek type convention I did was in 1995. This was when I was, you know, I don't think I'd reached double digits yet. Um, but I went to the uh, convention at uh, the Science Museum. They had because Voyager had just been released. And the Science Museum in London, you could go in and you had to pay £5 or something really expensive. And I got a catalogue, which I took home and I cut up and I stuck all over things because that's what I do with catalogues. Uh, and they had, and that's when I was first heard about Neelix and I was very disappointed after that because Neelix freaked me out and still does. <laughs> he's like the guide. So, no, yes. he's not. Go away. <laughs> Scary man. Um, but yeah, he also married technically a child, but also a godchild, which is weird. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, yes. the answer is yes. I am a bit uh, of a... Izzy is a bit of a Star Trek fan. I am too. We do talk about Riker probably a bit too much. I think I'd probably rate my Star Trek knowledge as low. Okay. I've seen I've, I've seen a few of the films and uh, used to watch Next Generation, but I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to stake a claim on a quiz team about Star Trek. Well, fortunately, you don't need to, you know, know anything about Star Trek to enjoy Galaxy Quest. It's just that oh, when no, no, you no. do know about Star Trek, it kind of tops it. You can kind of see what they're making fun of. And, you know, it's, it's little things like the Klingons at the urinals. That you can just go, there you go. That's funny. I, I recognise that, even though I obviously haven't been into the gents' toilets at a Star Trek well, convention. Well, was saying it's ahead of its time in that it was kind of a love letter to fans, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. 
in a, in a time when fans were still kind of seen as a bit oh, go away, leave me alone type thing. And the whole the whole thing, even with the Thermians, is you know have respect for your fans. But yeah, these comic these comic cons are big at this time. Comic cons and those cons um, were super nerdy, aren't they? But now they're like the biggest business in the world. Um, like San Diego Comic Con is like Huge, yeah. where Disney goes to launch their A list's biggest film temple films of the year. Um, so it's a whole different, it's a whole crime different from from what's shown in this film, isn't it? So it's like the pre and post Marvel, isn't it? Effect. Yeah. yeah, I'm not even sure you could make it now because it it would be fan service at that point, and also it would be do, do you know like I mean? the Thermians wouldn't be Thermians; they'd come down as Trump supporters or conspiracy QAnon theorists <laughs> or something. They'd be completely suckered into a whole other branch of nerd. Um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't yeah, be as innocent, and that's depressing. the beautiful thing about the Thermians, the alien race that comes down and believes that these historical documents that they've been watching, the historical records, um, they they believe that they're real, and of course they're just a show. And the bad alien knows this immediately when he sees them, and that's such a great scene. When I love the Thermians as well, I think they're so charming. <laughs> And like, because they could easily have been, ah, oh, they're just stupid idiots type things. But yeah, but they're um, they're just adorable, aren't they? They are very cute. And they're Thunderbird. Walk. And also, they're really Veronica's Mars's dad. It's their leader, Ooh, and it's Veronica Mars. I've never seen Veronica Mars. What? Oh you would love it. You would love I'm it. Gonna, I'm going to act out the whole of Veronica Mars for you that. right now. A long time ago. No, I know. Two, no? I, know I saw Rain Wilson as a um, one of mm-hmm. them, and also Sam Lloyd, who plays Ted in Scrubs. Scrubs. Yeah, and Missy um, Pyle as well. This was like her oh, first she's film great. role. Great, she's so free. And Justin looking. Long as well. And they obviously yeah. those two would go on together to work in on Dodgeball. So there's a there's a few people who we probably know quite well now that when this came out, it would have been like a new person. And it's kind of fun, I think, when you when you do watch like comedy ensembles when you kind of don't know them that well, and then when you rewatch them so many years later, you're like, ah, oh, this yeah. is an early performance. They were good then, or they've got better, or they're a bit. Pro- I find that with like Paul, like Paul Giamatti is my is one of those when I'm like, oh yeah, I didn't know Paul Giamatti before Sideways, and um, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah, as well. PSH. Oh, that's Philip Seymour, yeah. and Matt from Mac and PC they had the Robert Webb <laughs> of um mm. of America who was so, that um that was um oh Justin Long wasn't it probably it was um yeah Justin Long that's it Brandon the nerdy yeah. the nerdy kid Brandon, yeah. yeah the nerdy kid yeah. is the Mac in the Mac and PC adverts with John Hodgman as the PC and everybody wanted a wanted a PC because everybody wants John Hodgman or David Mitchell deep down they don't want Robert Webb or um uh, Justin Long, they're a bit too pretty. It um, it could have been a very different film. They, it was very dark, wasn't it? The original edit, apparently, much more sort of adult, much more swearing, and you can sort of see remnants of where they've badly dubbed some swearing. Oh, really? Uh, especially Sigourney Weaver, she seemed to be quite foul mouthed. Of course, she did. She had a boobs um, now. I mean, that's never happened. That's brilliant. <laughs> uh, well, you've not seen um, American. I haven't. Uh, <laughs> Is that one Jennifer Love Hewitt? Yes, that is a really good film, actually. See, I think Sigourney Weaver would have made the best Voldemort. Because she's got... Yeah, she would have done an amazing Voldemort. 
in the Harry Potter films much better than Ralph Fiennes because she if you read the books she's got the high voice she's got the sort of like slightly skull-like scary face and she's got the I think she's got just the better presence um, just to be terrifying whereas Ralph Fiennes was not and also she's not underused in this film which no. she could quite easily have been I thought even though her character that she plays is there just to repeat what the computer says which is was yeah, one of the the funnier quite... scenes um but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a nice it's role my for her it's only job when I'm going to do it yeah. I enjoy it when she does comedy she's she's great and uh, she should do more yeah also she I say she should do more she's done loads isn't she really so maybe she should do the amount she's done <laughs> Maybe, she maybe you should, should do the exact Simon. same ratio of comedy to non-comedy <laughs> stuff that she's continues yeah. to do. Maybe she should manage her own career, and I should just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> but and Tim Allen's great, and that's the thing. Tim Allen's brilliant in this because you kind of really—he's well cast. He's immediately believable. I mean, at no point do you question he isn't that person. Um, who he's not playing Shatner. No, he's not. As well, which he's is not doing a Shatner impression really at any point. A good choice, and he is. But he's, I mean, he, he didn't even think the character was Mr. Shatner. He said he based it on um, a Yul Brynner role from one of Yul Brynner's films. Yeah. And I think had it been a kind of direct lift, I think it would have lost an awful lot of, like, you know, Rickman being Spock and yeah. whatnot. I think that kind of would have detracted from it. The best parodies you should be able to watch without knowing the source material. Shatner did enjoy it, um, though, didn't he? Um, he uh, the, one of the yes, things he said Sh- was really did, yeah. about the rock monsters, having tried to get rock monsters so many times on on Star Trek for them to have signed them off. I don't know whether he, he... Maybe he was a bit confused about it, whether it's an actual Star Trek thing or not, but it's good to have that kind of approval going into something like this. It does have the worst pun in the world, though. Which one's that? Yeah, the miners, not miners. Oh, I, I know that. you do, but it is the worst <laughs> pun in the world. And I just I just love that what I really, really love about it is the danger and everything else. But ultimately, you do get people going down to that silly, you know, it's the desert thing, the, the big, um, the, what's the beryllium sphere or whatever it is, um, dilithium or I don't know, beryllium or something brilliant. science. Um, and yeah, and they're just pushing it and they're rolling it out and it's the most... 1960s shot of action that you can possibly get. Everything is sort of like really, you, they're too far away from the camera. It looks really slow. You've already established that the aliens are really fast and this is just pointless and futile. And it's, it's, it's lovely. Um, and it, it, it doesn't have what, it doesn't have the sort of overly, it, it's all self contained and the story all makes sense. There is no point where, even though it is poking fun, it never sort of, points the camera at the audience at any point it's all you know which i think the three amigos and other similar films have done is they sort of break that fourth wall a bit and they don't they keep it all in and it starts in the convention and it ends in the convention and i i kind of think i know it's not true i know that this was written because a guy watched um uh, nimoy who's played spock do a you know little announcement about this well, I don't know something and thought oh god it must be awful for sci-fi actors who are already stuck in these roles and then came up with um, Galaxy Quest but I do uh, how I how it looks like it came about was what would be the most awesome Star Trek convention ever and that would be to have a massive spaceship crash into it and a fight still to continue and the winners who everybody already knows 
just zap a real alien and kill them in front of everybody and not to have anybody die. And I think that would have been the most amazing, you know, so, you know, it would be lovely to think meeting. the scriptwriters wrote backwards from that moment to how did we get there? That would be the best occurrence of this coming about. If you want to get me to get really nerdy about story on, structure, we can talk yeah. about why it works as a story. Um, it It's an into the woods story. You leave the safety of your village to go and kill the mystical beast and on your journey you learn more about yourself and you come back to the village having kissed the girl become a better person um but by getting what he wants at the midway point which is is a, a starring role again yeah. um he pays a really heavy price and it does kind of keep upping the stakes really well and that moment where the thermians say there's no point we're the only ones left yeah. and it kind of really hits home to him that you know, okay, and that bit, the, I mean, it's really dramatic, that bit where you have the Thurbian who's being tortured, Malthazar, and he's being tortured by Saris, and, you know, Saris forces um, him to reveal that the whole thing it has, is not historical documents, it is just a TV show and it's all fake. And Malthazar just going, but why? And his entire yeah, life... wail of agony. yeah. That's more torturous than anything that Saris could do. And it's just, it really works. And just as the sort of line that Helen Rickman has to say by Granthar's hammer, you will be avenged. He actually gets to say it to somebody who it's the most meaningful thing. They've based their entire life on this phrase and he gets to say it to them in their dying moments. And then he goes and runs at an alien, which is brilliant. He goes full on hold. He does. It's, really it's good. very good. Um, I enjoyed. Yeah. <laughs> You have to understand that Alan Rickman is absolutely beautiful and wonderful in everything he ever did. So you just I mean, you said that's why you chose it. That's why you chose it, you said. Definitely. I, I just also want to underline the fact that Sigourney Weaver's character is great and it is a real sort of like frustration, a voice of female frustration that isn't labelled after she's being really feminist and talking about it. It's literally her just pointing out how ridiculous her character is, mm. uh, but ultimately how important it is to the team. Because even before they go to space, Sigourney Weaver's character keeps the team together. She's phoning Alex to talk about um, Naismith and everything else and trying to make everything, you know, bring everybody together and bond everybody, which is ultimately what she does at the end. And... I love the I love the there is absolutely no point in all the slammy bits. Um going they're trying to yes. get to the bomb, which obviously or to the to stop the ship exploding, which obviously has to count down to one second, even though they've already pressed the button, because it's a TV show and that constant reminder that it's all nonsense, but it's real. <laughs> Why are these here? Because it's in the show. Exactly. There is no point to this. Whoever wrote this needs to be fired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just engineered in there for dramatic content for the show. It's just really um, funny. Yeah, exactly. JJ Abrams said that the scene in Star Trek where they do the mass beam out whilst they're falling is directly braced on that <laughs> moment from Dancy Quest. Oh, really? Nice. But as a comedy film, it I know it sounds like a daft thing. It is funny. Yeah. And a lot of comedy films aren't funny. And um, Mark Mode has a really low bar for a, a yeah three a laughs. Isn't it? If I laugh out loud once, no three. Well, it's hard to it's, make it's, people it's, laugh when it when you're is it in three, the is it? three laugh test. I think it's a very okay. good uh, it, good way of uh, judging a comedy or not, especially when you're watching on your own. Because yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't laugh. Well, I think that's that's the point. Own. It's a low bar. It's like it's like the Bechdel test. It's a low bar. If you if you have to have a 
a line in the sand. Ooh, does this pass it? I don't think it does, does it? Um, Couldn't do. Because uh, there's only two question. females in it with speaking we roles. We don't know what gender the Thermians are. Yeah, we do, because they respond. They literally say we t- they take our females and there are female-looking Thermians. So How they present, think, I guess. That's yeah. the form they choose. That is the form they choose, but therefore it's the form they identify with and therefore they're female. Ha-ha. It probably doesn't pass the Bechdel test, but it, it doesn't need to. Doesn't it? Because we, as what we've talked about, with Sigourney Weaver's character has agency. Um, it breaks out of the confines of its own role. The point is that it is overly, overly um, a representation of sci-fi, in yeah. which case, yeah, it shouldn't. <laughs> uh, Sigourney's character has a line where she's like, I had an interview in all six questions were about how how I kept my boobs in my costume. And that uh, a year or two later, Jerry Ryan was still facing the same sort of questions as Seven of Nine in. I think, um, well, still 2021 people are still... I mean, Black Widow. Still facing that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. How'd you keep your bum in now? It's changed, Simon. Hmm? Shall we uh, head over to our Flixwatcher scores? Hello, I'm Sam Pay. And I'm Martin Zolt-Sorstwick. And we are the two hosts of a podcast called Song, Song by, by Song, Song, where we listen every week to a track by the musical artist Tom Waits. Uh, you might know him for his gravelly voice. <coughs> Very nice. His appearance in films, but also his multi-decade spanning career uh, involving blues, jazz, and all sorts of other kinds of experimental music. So we're basically like a book club for Tom Waits. And if that sounds like your cup of tea, you can find us at songbysongpodcast.com or wherever you get podcasts. The um, scores are all out of five and you may have decimal places if you wish. And uh, we'll start with you, Izzy, with your recommendability, please. Oh, okay. So recommendability, I'd recommend this to absolutely anyone and everyone because it doesn't have any sex in it. So you can show it to kids and they'd get along with it. It's got explosions. I recommend it to people who don't know sci-fi because it's still a really funny, dramatic film with poignancy. I recommend it to Alan Rickman fans because it's got Alan Rickman in it. I recommend it to um, Tim the Toolman Taylor fans. Home Improvement, because it's got Tim the Two Man Taylor. No, I, I literally, I don't know anybody who wouldn't like this film on some level, because it's got the good story, it's got the good characters, it's funny, um, and it makes you laugh. So what, five? Five. Five. Yeah, why not? Simon? I kind of agree. I think it's a film you can watch on its own. You know, of it of its own sake, it doesn't. You don't need to be a sci-fi nerd. It makes sense as a story. It has character development. It's funny. It's charming. It's sad. It's fun. It's just really good. And uh, and that's all boils down to having a very good story structure. Mm. Um, it's tight, man. And it's not a wasted moment. It is. It is tight. Tight. And like Sigourney Weaver's boobs. Like Sigourney Weaver's boobs. Someone had to say <laughs> it. Didn't and I'm glad it wasn't me. Um, but yeah, if you like Tropic Thunder, if you like Three Amigos, you're going to like it. But if you just like comedy, yeah, you're going to like it. It's 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 well cast. Everyone is good in their role, and it'll lead and... people to Three Amigos as well and things like that. We haven't talked about Three Thunder. Amigos and why it's or Tropic Thunder. I mean, the Three Amigos is basically this in the desert in Mexico with a load of Mexicans believing yeah. their films to be real, and obviously they're just actors and showmen. But 
Galaxy Quest is less problematic than both of those other films. Much less problematic in terms of, um, you know, it's a bit sexist, but it's not particularly racist or anything else. What it does and do, that Three Amigos does do, is do that really sort of surreal comedy, The Singing Bush, The Invisible Man, (laughs) which I really enjoy, but I'm really glad that Galaxy Quest doesn't do it. Because, it, as you say, it's such a tight and it feels like a film. Well, there's, there's, there's moments of surreality because you have the, like, the, those aliens, for example, and, oh, they look like children. Oh, this yeah. one's in pain. Oh, they're going to say, oh, and then they just dive into it. And, but, yeah, I mean, the, the, inside out, the, the inside out pig thing, that's definitely, yeah. you know. But it's not, it's part but of it's the plot. it's all of itself. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it, it feels of itself. It's not like it there's suddenly like a singing a, a magical bush from the Bible film. in it. Yeah. No. You know, there yeah, is, exactly. there is. So... But but the in answer yeah. to the question, my score is five. <laughs> Helen, um, so definitely agree. It's it's a really lovely film, and it's a really kind of like nice little love letter to fans as well, and Star Trek, I guess as well. That saying, I think there are some people who will just be like, I'm just not interested. Don't like Star Trek. Not interested in it, even if it's not actual Star Trek, and like just don't kind of understand like fandom and not quite be into it so i'm going to give it a a, a solid 4.5 and i i really like sam rockwell in this (laughs) how much of that 4.5 is sam rockwell (laughs) how much would it would it be in 4.7 if he'd shaved off the moustache that is the question (laughs) i'm taking with the moustache i bet you would i bet you would Uh, I'm going to go for 4.2. I can. I, I think it's. Ooh. I didn't watch it at cinema. I remember it coming out, and I just thought, oh, that's a bit wank. Um, and I think that's what not... most people thought actually when they saw the trailers and everything. Well, that's what I mean exactly. So, and I, and I still think that I think it still lends itself to people kind of going, yeah. I don't really get, like like what you said, Helen. I don't think I think people kind of go, yeah. I kind of get it, but also it's not. Uh. You see, the, uh, this then... is the thing though. When you're recommending to people. This is, you know, you don't recommend things that they are definitely going to want to watch that at the moment they see the poster for. You recommend things to people that you think, oh, actually, this is a really good film, which you probably wouldn't realise you enjoy. Well, this is Therefore, it. I, I... That's what my point five is for those who I know that they wouldn't enjoy it. Yeah, exactly. Okay. There's that caveat. There's that caveat level where you kind of think. That's interesting. <laughs> Toby knows more people than me. Okay. Yeah. Is that right? <laughs> Um, he knows less cool people than you. <laughs> repeat viewing score, is he? Um, well, to be honest, this is probably the eighth time I've watched this. So, eight out of five is that? <laughs> no, it's not. So that's not allowed. It's high, I'd say. I'd say. You've, I'd you, say you've four. been on this show before, is he? You know how yeah. this works. You know how I'd say, this I'd, works. I'd give it a four, um, simply because it's not something that I immediately clicked on when it came up because I'd already seen it all, a, a bunch, and also you need to be able to forget the jokes in between the jokes Mm. because otherwise they're not as funny. So I'd say give it two years before you watch it again and then it'll be really fresh again. If you watch it immediately after, so repeat viewing, definitely, but not immediately. So what does that mean? (laughs) Four. And you can have decimal places. I know I can, but I choose not to. It just happens to fall on a nice round number because I don't like it messy. Simon. I don't know. I've watched it a few times, but I don't know. It's not a film I ever go out of my way to watch. And um, I saw all the love it was getting on Twitter when it was first announced that it was coming onto Netflix at the start of the year. And that surprised me. 
uh, I, I, I thought, okay, I'm, I'm quite surprised that people have the, as much love for this film as, as it does. Um, so I, I kind of, I'm kind of with Izzy. I think you kind of need a break between it. And it's always a nice surprise to come back to it and realise, oh, yeah, no, it is as good as I remember, if not better. Um, so I am going to go with 3.7. Helen? So... I definitely, definitely didn't see this at the cinema, but I'm pretty sure I saw it, probably rented it, perhaps, or at least saw it when at Sky when it came out. And I've seen it a couple of times since watching it now, and enough time had elapsed between that time and this time for me to enjoy it. But don't know whether I'm going to be in a rush to go back and see it anytime soon. So I'm going to give it a three. Um an hour 40 minutes odd so not not a great deal of time um you're losing if you do go back but uh yeah so three yeah i watched this um about six months ago before it came back on before it came on netflix i watched it for the first time i should say about six months ago uh towards the start of the first lockdown i was like oh yeah i've still never seen galaxy quest and so i rented it off whichever prime or whichever one is on um, and when it came on Netflix, obviously six months is too small a time. I think I completely agree with you guys. Um, but I still, I think I'll be leaving it in like four or five years in between watches rather than two years. Um, you got better memory than we do. That's what that is. Possibly, yeah. I just made a long <laughs> list of films to watch in between Galaxy Quest. Um, <laughs> My metric is if the film comes on at 11 o'clock at night, just before you go to bed... Will you finish it to the end? No. <laughs> what films would you? But what films would, if they came on at 11 o'clock and you're about to go to bed, what film would have to be on that would make you watch the whole film? It'd have to be a super short film like a Wallace and Gromit. Okay. But. Uh... We're talking like 90 minutes max, like even I'm if it's. 29 minutes max, Wallace and Gromit. <laughs> it's Die Hard with a Vengeance for me. That is always on really late at night, and I always have to watch most of it. Or The Peacemaker, which is one of the most underrated... Oh, dear. Is that just because you have trouble sleeping? Well, yeah, I have chronic insomnia. But um, The Peacemaker is a really underrated thriller. But anyway, it's by the I should say, by, by 11 o'clock, I've been in bed by at least an hour. Yeah, yeah. But you're up early as well. You sent us like messages about this podcast like before Six I was up by a long way. You're like efficient, Kobe. Parenting duties. He's he's up at all hours. Exactly. Yeah, but I'm, I used to wake up early anyway. I used to cycle in Regent's Park at like half five in the mornings. You're mad. Sorry, guys. One one of those not annoying people. Um, repeat me. Was, was it three, Helen? Did you say three for me? Yeah. I'm gonna go for two point five. No, I like it, but I think part of it is because I had literally hadn't seen it for this year, and lots of people built it up, and when you have that kind of weight of like expectation, and you're like, oh, it's fine. Um, that kind of deflates it, but doesn't it? Small screen mm. score, is he? Well, the issue with this is it doesn't really matter. This is, what, no. 1999, <laughs> and it's the CGI. There's a lot of CGI in it, and the CGI isn't great. Um, I was thinking, I was miss... wondering, if this was to be done now, would the CGI still look like that? Because I mean, for the, for the ships, for example, because it's taken... It kind of fits in with the vibe, though, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. It's, it's of its time, but it's not as though looking at the CGI on a small screen, you're going to miss a joke 
other no. than there are details which you might miss. For example, Alex Alan Rickman's hair poking through his cap after he'd been fighting. That's mm. quite funny. The way little things are mixed up. But the one thing where you will miss out watching it on a small screen as opposed to on a larger screen, and because I've never watched it on a big screen, I can. I'm talking about a big screen as in television rather than like a tablet or your, you know. We're talking cinemas is, is the big exactly. screen we're talking about. Here is the big reveal where because all this time um tim allen's character believes that he's just jason esmuth just believes that he's working with these really overly eager fans who've set up the stage and he has to you know talk to this alien and the big reveal is when they send him home he's expecting them to call him a limo and instead they fire him into space and the beautiful reveal where he's covered in jelly and he's basically standing outside of the um, spaceship covered in jelly looking out into the universe in a total perspective vortex moment just going um, I think that that at the time it was done was amazing in terms of graphics and everything else and still now you need that reveal so I would recommend putting it on the big screen and just for that I'm going to knock it off um, and I'm going to give it a three. Ooh, Simon. Well, this is it's kind of counterintuitive with CGI. The the bigger the screen, the better CGI looks, even terrible mm. CGI, because because mm. of the resolution. A big screen isn't good resolution. It's actually quite mm. bad resolution, which is why films often look so different on a small small screen, and CGI, which would have passed the cinema test, doesn't pass the cinema test on the small screen. And, you know, luminosity and all sorts of reasons, but we won't get into that. I think the CGI really stands out. I think the model shots of the ship are absolutely fantastic. And Izzy refers to that moment where uh, it reveals the spacescape. What what you get, what you don't get on the small screen is the joke that was done in the cinema, and I so wish I could have seen it, is that the screen goes from normal widescreen and it physically opens up to oh, the cinemascope nice. screen. So as that's revealed in the cinema the screen physically gets bigger as well so purely for that reason there's a joke that requires it to be seen in a cinema um it's, it's got to be quite a low score so i'm going to give it two Ooh, helen so i've never i didn't see this at the cinema um i've only ever seen it on um tv science screens and um i thought i thought the cgi it actually held up quite well, considering it was probably meant to look a bit hokey and to fit in with kind of the, you know, nostalgia, 70s style, 80s style TV anyway. Um, so I, th- I thought it was fine. And um, I, th- I think this is kind of like a perfect film to watch on a Sunday after TV kind of vibe. So I'm going to give it a five for small screen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to five as well. I I think the, the CGI is exactly what it... it the, even if that's what I was thinking now, even if it was made now, I think there's still with a few tweaks not make it look as good as they made the USS Enterprise in the most recent Star Trek, for example. It would look the same for, for all intents and purposes. It needs to look hokey. It needs to look hark back to the historical documents as they <laughs> as they refer to them as. Um, I think it'd be quite nice maybe if I'd seen it with other people. The first, mm. um, it's true. It's all comedy, isn't it? And and. That's potentially the other reason, but otherwise, I think from a viewing point of view, yeah, five um, engagement score. Is he? I'll just add to your last thing, Kobe, that you you don't need to see Cher Allen Rickman ever. Um, so <laughs> engagement, I would go. Well, I mean, five. I love it. It's great. 
What are you on about? Definitely. <laughs> um, um, I can chat with anybody. I mean, it's one of those ones where I've literally never met somebody and we've talked about films and this is one of the films we talked about. Yeah. So, I mean, and gone into in a big way. I think this one and um, Reservoir Dogs. So if that's that's the level we're talking about in terms of good film, then yeah, five. Simon? It, the metric is how, how it keeps your attention, is that right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, it's a comedy. It's an hour and 40 minutes. You know, that's Don't the right length away. for a comedy. I don't think they need to be longer or much shorter. Um, yeah, I, w- I was watching it. I, I very rarely watch on my computer screen, but I had to watch on my computer screen. And I'm much more willing to wander off when I'm doing that. And I didn't do that with this at all. So it's going to have to be a... It's not a fully five. I'm not going to say I didn't kind of go and check Twitter at one point or two, but um, that's more to do with me, me having seen it. So, I don't know, 4.3, something like that. Helen? So I'm going to give this a solid four for engagement. I don't think you... I mean, it's it's kind of like a pretty solid story arc, um, as you've already talked about, Simon. So you can kind of guess where it's going to go. So you don't need to be um, stuck with it. So, um, yeah just about the right length keeps keeps me uh in- engaged enough uh, i did do a little bit of imdbing slash reading about like the little bits of trivia because i've seen it a couple of times but still solid four i'm gonna go for 3.5 here i think the first time i was like into it second time <laughs> potentially because it was literally within six months i was like you know happily nobbing about on twitter um but also twitter's been so entertaining these past few days uh so <laughs> interactions yeah, away from it. um so, so I'm, I'm impressed that you. I'm trying to think. Would I have gone back to it had I seen it six months ago? But you felt that the you you needed to go back to it. There's still things that they're in there, and, and again, because I knew I was going to watch it with half my eye on the second screen, and it was not really any. It's not. It wasn't a chore to watch it again. Um, and you know, I'm a professional, Helen. You know, we do this podcast. We make a lot <laughs> of, of money from it, exactly. so we want to make sure that, um, that we're giving the most up to date opinions. Um, and that gives us an overall score of three point nine eight one two five, which is which is good. I would yeah. have wanted it to be in the falls, but that's my fault for giving it a two or something for something. Yeah, like you gave yeah. it three. Should have given it more scores. Score is remorse. It, yeah, you gave it a that, two. So that was more of a lament that I didn't get to see that brilliant joke in the cinema. So yeah, I mean, like I gave it a low score for small screen as well. Mm. But, um, but I, I took both your points. I think you, it, it, you can happily watch it on the small screen. Okay, guys, so let's head to Twitter. And just for everyone listening, do follow us on FlixWatcher. We are at FlixWatcherPod uh, on Twitter because we always put a shout-out before we record uh, and gives you an opportunity to give your opinion and be read out in this case. And uh, let's look out for tweets like this where we say, we're reviewing Galaxy Quest with Izzy Lawrence and Sidon from Setis Opera Podcast. You guys don't have a Twitter account. No, we don't. What's, we have our own What's accounts, the matter with you? Yeah. yeah, we just, you know, I've got so many podcasts, I'm not updating Twitter that often anyway. Okay. So, I mean, you should definitely page follow me. And the website, yeah. so. Exactly. Yeah, right. Well, you we can got give those details at we the end. We got a wiki. You got a wiki? Yeah, oh, well, that's best. That's, that's surely it's more work than Twitter. Well, you'd Maybe. think. Uh, anyway, have you seen it? Tell us your thoughts and your score out of five stars for an on air shout out on Flixwatcher. Um, and we have a few responses for Galaxy Quest. Um, Sai, do you want to take us with the first one? 
uh, Trent on Tess, she was surprised by this movie. She found it very enjoyable and it was a fun watch. And she gives it four out of five stars, which is kind of roughly what we've given it. See, she was surprised by it because she was recommended it and she enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, no, Alex... Aren't you surprised by stuff that you aren't recommended? Because if someone said, here's a thing, you need to, it's amazing, then you're like, no, but I, it depends I who recommends it. Simon it if Simon recommends me something, I have a very low expectation of it being good. It, it, these recommendations do, it doesn't matter who recommends it, doesn't it? Because sometimes it really you does. Think, it really uh, does. You, so. Really? You've recommended it, have you? Mm. It's not going to be good, is it? No. But, <laughs> but turns out it's brilliant. So it's surprising. So Alex Elliott um, says, who is Alex Kid 11. Uh, hopefully that's not his age. Uh, says Galaxy Quest rifts on all aspects of the genre, from the episodic nature of a TV show to the fans who read far too much into every detail. It starts making fun of the fans and it gives them love in the third act. Four la 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 las out of five. Uh, Helen, I didn't know we were going to read this one. Someone just goes nine. Uh, we asked there for clarification, and they replied saying, "Sorry, must have pressed the wrong number. I mean four. And that I was mean, Ronnie Castle. So- Ronnie Castle, Ronnie Hallett. I mean, so I blame you two for dragging sort of the scores review. down. You two have dragged the scores down. So everybody else has said four. It's a solid four from I the audience. I dragged the scores down. It was my fault. And, and, and now it's 3.8 or 3.98. Shouldn't 3. have given it such a low score on small screen then. We were bumping it up. You're missing jokes. Si, Izzy, can you sign up by letting us know where, letting our listeners know where they can find you online? If you go to iszi.com, that is izzy.com, iszi.com, you can find out all about me. Um, and terriblelizards.co.uk is a really fun podcast. And I suppose Seti Sopo as well. SetiSopo.com. You're still doing Zedlist? Um, uh, we are still doing Zedlist. Unfortunately, it relies on live audience stuff. Uh... So, no, we're not. But if you're into your history, you can listen to the British Museum member cast where I get to interview all sorts of historians and archaeologists from around the planet. But Zedlist isn't, it's not, it's, it's, it's evergreen, isn't it? It's not topical. So they can still exactly. go into your back catalogue, right? Oh, yeah. So. There's like 80 episodes or something ridiculous. And it's about obscure people from history. So if you want to know about some weird stuff that went on that makes today's news look normal. And yes, today, whatever's happening in 2021, today's <laughs> news will look boring in. in comparison to like <laughs> a woman who gave birth to rabbits. Simon. happened it's true how, how do i follow that um i'm at side done on twitter and my website is simondun.me.uk i blog every day um about rare yeah. sitcoms all sorts of things he literally has blogs about like ovens and sitcom? sitcoms I, I i went through a period where i was blogging about the different ovens in sitcoms and how um you could see different ovens in one sitcom from the other that's kind of how into the weeds i get with it so yeah or you can buy my book uh, buy izzy's book as well it's fantastic it's called the unstoppable letty peg and buy simon's books um and if you want to giggle normal verse is very funny well thank you very much guys say goodbye to the listeners well, thanks bye. goodbye bye. listeners bye hello it's the opposite of goodbye that's the opposite yeah Enjoyed this episode of Flixwatcher Podcast? Why not leave us a five-star review on iTunes? You can also follow us at FlixwatcherPod on Twitter and we're at Flixwatcher on Instagram. Thanks as always to the mighty people for their mighty, mighty tunes and Ben from Rockwood Audio for his awesome editing skills. If you're looking to get your podcast edited as sweet as this, get in touch with Ben and that's Rockwood, R-O-K-K, Wood 
audio, tell them Flixwatcher sent you. You just heard a stripped media production. 